you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tapeheads is a production of iHeartMedia and the NFL. Welcome to another week, another edition of Tapeheads Draft Season as now... We actually have the finish line in our sights. Bob Oshusen, longtime radio voice of the New York Jets, college football for ESPN as well. And the guy you want to hear from every week as we go through all of these prospects. And again, we don't do the mock drafts on this podcast as much as we take a deeper dive behind the X's and O's that hopefully the real football nerds like us will appreciate. And nobody, and I say this with all love and respect, is a bigger football nerd than Greg Cosell. <laughs> You're about as nerdy as anybody I've ever met in football, and I love it because we can take that deep dive every week. Of course, Greg, you've been watching him. NFL films break down games each week, NFL matchup, the show on ESPN, and also uh, for 40-plus years he has been going behind the X's and O's, looking at the All-22, not just breaking down regular season, actual NFL games, but also at this time of the year, the draft prospects because that's what we're talking about. And, Greg, we actually, as I said, can see the tape, right? We've kind of hit the home stretch. It's about two weeks away now from draft night and getting this draft underway. And teams right now, I would guess, are probably really starting to put the final touches on their board. This process, now once you get about two weeks away, I'm sure if you go into an NFL team's war room, a lot of the homework, you know, as they say, the hay is in the barn, right? They have now gone to the combine they've had visit they've gone through free agency they've done their reports now it's about bringing all your scouts your entire personnel department to your facility all these guys that travel the country all year going everywhere to watch these prospects now they come to your building and they basically spend two weeks in a bunker getting the final touches on this draft board right i mean how what percentage of the work do you think is now done at this point for nfl teams I would think if they're good at it, Bob, close to 100%. The only thing that would remain is there are still some um, in-house visits, as it were, with players this week, maybe even next week. But beyond that, all the study is done. Uh, All the tape work is done for sure. All the 
postseason work is done because, as you said, the combine's done. The pro days, I, I think, are essentially done. There may be a few left, but I think for the most part, teams have their boards relatively set. There would have to be something dramatic to me at this point that would change a team's draft board. Now, maybe they bring a player in that they really liked on tape and they've heard pretty good things about and they really can't stand them when they interview them and spend a day with them. Maybe that changes something. But for the most part, you know, the thing that always amazes me is the way people start changing their evaluations of players. You know, uh, so many people do obviously draft work now and they change their evaluation of players based on what? Because if you don't work for a team, you're not getting this inside information. So what are you changing your evaluation? You watched one more game. If you watch six games, that seventh game is going to make you change your evaluation? Of course not. So people just change it because they talk to someone who tells them something. Um, right. But for me, I sit here and I study tape all day, and that's that's what I do. So I, I can't speak to these guys' characters and personalities, and that's a factor, but as, as you've let the people know, with me, it's based on the tape study. Well, and for us as well, if you followed our podcast going back to when we first started this about a month ago to take you all the way up through draft season and through the draft itself, we've kind of checked every box, right? Like we've done the quarterbacks, yep. we've done the wide receivers, we've talked running backs, we've talked pass rushers, we've talked corners and safeties. One position, though, that we haven't gotten to yet that I think is a really interesting position And there are guys that are on this board that are going to be some of the most fascinating prospects athletically, especially at this point, considering their size and athleticism, are defensive tackles. And there are some guys, like if your team needs help on the D-line, there are, we've talked about the Thibodeaux and the Hutchinsons, the pass rushers, but the guys that play in between the guards that are, you know, gap eaters, that are guys that when the run game gets talked about, are the keys. If your team needs one of those guys, there are certainly guys to talk about in this draft, and we'll get to the prospects, but I think to start that discussion, just your take on how that position has evolved over the years. Like We talked a lot about the fact that you know we don't live in the world of the Earl Campbells and Tony Dorsett's and Walter Payton's anymore, where outside of maybe Derrick Henry, teams don't base their entire offense around handing the ball to a workhorse running back 25 to 30 times a game. That just that's not the kind of football that's played anymore. So how does that change the interior defensive tackle position evaluation when you know that unless you play the Titans, you're not playing against teams that used to play the way we watched in the 80s and 90s? You know, and it's funny you mention that because this weekend I was finishing up my work with the Georgia defense because Georgia has eight guys who are at the combine. And obviously I can't watch all eight guys at one time. So I had to do it in bits and pieces. And I was just cleaning up Jordan Davis, the big D tackle and Devante Wyatt, another player who's being talked about as a first round pick. And Bob, it started me thinking, we talked about the run game and its value, as you said, and, and you're so correct to point out that very few teams, Tennessee being one of the very few, that really says, here's our run game. This is what we do. You need to stop our run game in a very conventional sense. Obviously, the Baltimore Ravens have a different kind of run game with Lamar right. Jackson. But sure. a traditional conventional run game, going back, you mentioned some backs. I mean, George Rogers was the first pick in the draft in 1981. Billy Sims, I believe, was the first pick in 1980. That kind of football is not played anymore. So it got me thinking, 
then what is the value of a defensive tackle, an interior defensive lineman in today's NFL if that player is not going to play one in your sub-defense, meaning nickel or dime, and two if he's not going to play on third down, the money down in this league? So what is the value of that player? And I kept going back and forth in my head, and my guess is a lot of people would have different answers to that question, but you know, when we'll get to specific players, I'm just using Jordan Davis as an example for our conceptual part of the conversation. He hardly ever played on third and passing situations. He might have played on third down when it was third and one or third and two, which is not necessarily a passing situation, but he did not play on third and passing situation down a distance. So what is the value of Jordan Davis, even if you love the player on tape and you love what he does in the run game, is that player a top 15, top 12 pick? And to be honest with you, I think that's a very debatable point. Well, it is, and it's fascinating to think about where you would want to take that guy. Right. But at the same time, when you, like Aaron Donald is primarily an interior defensive lineman. But he's a pass rusher. And he's a pass rusher, so maybe that's the, the box that has to be checked. Yes. But, I mean, he's he's the defensive player of the year, right? Like, he's, he might be the best defensive player in football. And there are other guys like a Vita Vea or a Fletcher Cox, right? Guys that play on the interior of the defensive line that are massively impactful and can be in the games they play because they can push the pocket and rush the quarterback. So I guess the question would be when you're if you're an NFL team and you taking a look at these players, do you not throw out their ability to maybe play two gap and stop the run? Obviously you have to be able to do that, but do you maybe first look at athleticism and pass rush ability from the interior defensive line to say, "Oh, okay. Like this guy can do what I need a guy in modern day football to be able to do from that position." Yeah, and, and that that was my thought during the weekend when I was watching the Georgia defense. You mentioned some players. First of all, Aaron Donald is a great pass rusher, and Aaron Donald can line up as a wide defensive end and rush the quarterback. We've seen him do that. We've seen Fletcher Cox do that. He's a pass rusher. Now, he's older, but in his prime, Fletcher Cox could rush the quarterback. Fletcher Cox played defensive end at Mississippi State many, many snaps when he came out of college. So we're you made the correct point. We're talking about the ability to rush the quarterback and versatility in alignment in your sub-defensive fronts. The players like that, the Coxes, the, the uh, Aaron Donald for certain. Chris Jones comes to mind. Right. right. Like a guy that can go hit the quarterback from anywhere on the defensive line. Great point. So those guys clearly have value. You want those guys. You know, if, if a player is simply a run defender, Okay, and and essentially does not have alignment versatility across your defensive front. What is the value of that player? Because I know you talk to many old time coaches and they still many of them will still start with the idea that, oh, your defense has to start with stopping the run. But if you talk to a lot of younger defensive coaches, the first thing they say is we've got to stop the explosive pass plays. So where is the balance there? Look, no one wants to be just gutted by the run game. We know that. We know that there's a, a physical element to that that wears you down and that beats you up. We get that. But not many offenses play that way right now. And 
the thought process for a lot of defensive coaches is that we have to start defending the pass to make sure that we do not give up big plays in the passing game and we'll defend the run on the way to the quarterback. And you can also scheme to defend the run, as you well know, Bob. If you're facing a team that you know really has, let's say, a high percentage based on film study of first and 10 runs or or whatever the percentage may be in a given down and distance, you can scheme to stop the run. You don't necessarily need just big bodies in order to do that. Right. And one other question that I would have, and maybe I'm describing a unicorn-type player, you know, an Aaron Donald. Yeah. But the fact that teams run game, like if you think about the most productive running backs when healthy in the NFL, like a Christian McCaffrey, they are guys that get thrown the ball. Correct. A lot. And a lot of it is the screen game. So how much are you looking for if you're an NFL prognosticator for an interior defensive lineman a player that's athletic enough to factor in that area of the field, right? Like I can engage, I can discard, and I've got the athleticism to get out and be a tackler against a team's screen game because that is going to be for many teams their run game, right? Correct. That, that's the way they're going to get the running back the football. You know, you don't think of, all right, I got a 320-pound interior defensive lineman. It, that's why you screen to get away from those guys, right? Like that guy can't go get my running back if I get no. him the ball in space, but Vita Vea can. So yeah, like Vita Vea is, is a very how, athletic guy, by the way. He's also exactly. lined up at defensive end, by the way. So um, how far, how hard is it to find that guy? It's very hard to find that guy. Extremely hard. And the other point, uh, just as we, we wrap up here for a second, this conversation is who would have thought years ago, Bob, how many teams run game would actually be founded on the shotgun? You know, years and years ago, you never saw a run game unless the quarterback was under center and it was what we call conventional. Nowadays, teams run out of the shotgun with three wide receivers on the field. That is the foundation of many teams run game in the NFL. It's not old school. Sure, there are teams with fullbacks, no question, but it's not that's not the way most teams run the ball in the NFL now. Yeah, it's it is a fascinating position with the evolution of football to try and diagnose what you've got and how high a player at that position is worthy of being drafted. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the prospects, who they are, what do they do well? Can they do what Greg is saying they have to be able to do? You now we'll go deep into the line of scrimmage, and if your team needs some help on the interior defensive line, is this going to be a draft class that's going to get you the player you need? Greg will tell you that next when we come back on Tapehead's draft season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats 
even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We are back on Tapehead's Draft Season. Bob Shoes and Greg Cosell doing a deep dive as we take you up to the NFL Draft, which is a couple of weeks away. We really are now in the home stretch of teams finalizing their boards and also us talking about these prospects. And as we said in segment one of this episode, defensive tackle, interior defensive line, positions we haven't talked about yet. And there's plenty of guys that you know are going to get drafted, but how well do they blend into what you need out of an interior defensive lineman in today's NFL with the evolution of offenses? and the style of the running game, and the running backs themselves. And so, Greg, let's get to some of these guys. You said you did a deep dive into the Georgia defense, and you could almost draft the entire Georgia defense, <laughs> right? I mean, you could just, you know, put them all in the NFL. But um, there are three guys that will be on your board and on many teams' boards to talk about that play this area of the field. Jordan Davis was really, that that's the freakazoid guy from the combine, yeah. right? I mean, he basically ran for his position what amounts to like a 3-5-40, right? I mean, he was just, he blew the top off of the combine. So start with Jordan Davis and what you think he is as an NFL player. He was a fascinating study, Bob. Um, we know he's a massive man. He came in at 6-6 and 3-8 and 3-41, and everybody knows he ran a 4-7-8-40 at the combine, which obviously is ridiculous for a man that size. But when you watch him play, and and this is something that really stood out to me, and I want to try to make this as clear as I can because there's a significant difference. Everybody always says with a player like that, and by the way, he is a run defense player. He's a base defense defensive tackle. George's coaching staff did not play him on third in passing situations, third down and passing situations. So that tells you that this coaching staff, which I think is pretty smart since they won a national championship and they've got a lot of good players and many will be NFL starters, um, they did not believe that his traits lent themselves to playing on third down in passing situations. That cannot be discounted. But the point I really wanted to make is with Davis, he really draws the distinction between two words that are thrown around a lot, strength and power. Strength is the ability to just hold yourself in one spot and fend off movement. So you can just stand there and you can hold off offensive linemen, which he does exceptionally well. Um, 
Strength is more of a stationary kind of concept. Power is different, and Jordan Davis is not powerful. The way to think of power is strength in motion, force, velocity. Jordan Davis is not a powerful player. He's a strong player. He doesn't move people. He just stops people. So power is the ability to play with velocity, force, and and velocity and force, whereas strength is much more about just controlling and dominating a short area. That is what Jordan Davis does exceptionally well. He dominates a small area with strength, but he doesn't really move people. So he's a base defense, defensive tackle. He's really good at that. What what is his value? Is he a top 10, top 12 pick in a draft? If Kirby Smart is not going to play him in passing situations, are you going to be playing him in passing situations in the NFL? And again, I don't know the answer to that, Bob, but I think that's a fascinating conversation to have before people just throw out automatically that this guy is a top 10 pick or a top 12 pick. Well, I would ask two questions, and they both might be kind of dumb, but I do think No, hey, there's no dumb questions. Oh, well, you haven't hung around with me long enough. Yes, they're very (laughs) dumb questions. Um, Georgia's defense allowed like a touchdown a game. They were an historically great defense. In college football, you can recruit as many dudes as you want. And they can you can recruit the 10 best pass rushers out of high school in the nation and have them all on your team. We know that they had great pass rushers on their team. They may have a personnel luxury Correct. at Georgia that you don't have in the NFL. If you're drafting Jordan Davis, it means your defensive line is bad. Georgia's defensive line was probably the best in college football without Jordan Davis. So <laughs> maybe you had the ability to take him off the field in passing situations just because you had better at that particular skill on their defense most likely will not be the case wherever he goes in the NFL. So is there a chance that his NFL team is saying, look, man, we drafted you in the top 10 or top 15 because we have no dudes up front. Maybe You have to go rush the, rush the passer. Like, we need you on the field well, because you're the best we've got, even if you weren't the best on your own college defense. Well, here's something else to consider. And I'm not sure how this plays out at the next level either. He only played about 20 to 22 snaps per game. Think about that, Bob. In in college football, where teams tend to run more plays than they do in the NFL, because almost every college team, with few exceptions, plays tempo and doesn't huddle. Now, that doesn't mean they play fast all the time, but they don't huddle. So they, they run more snaps. So he only played 20 to 22 snaps per game. So the question is, can he come into the NFL and now play 40 or 45 snaps per game? These are all things you have to think about. And I'm not suggesting he can't become a better pass rusher. You know, guys do not enter the NFL as totally finished products. Guys can improve. Guys do get coached. Guys get better nutrition. They get better training. We know all those things happen. but It's just something to think about without just flippantly throwing out that, oh, this guy's a top 10 pick. You have to factor all these things into your evaluation and into the equation as you see him as part of your defensive front in the NFL. Well, a couple other guys. Let's get to the other Georgia guys that impacted Jordan Davis's snap count, I would imagine, to a certain extent. You know, Trayvon Walker, I see him listed as a defensive end. 
by a lot of folks, yeah. right? He can kind of go inside and outside. Maybe that versatility is something that makes him a top five pick. Who knows where teams may put Trayvon Walker on their board. But if you think he is a really, really, really good pass rusher who also can slide inside, maybe he's that unicorn type player I was talking about. Maybe he does get drafted higher than all of them. Who knows? What do you think? Yeah, and I think Walker is the most intriguing, and we'll mention Devontae Wyatt next, but Walker is the most intriguing, not only because of his physical attributes, 6'5", 272, really long arms. Uh, and for whatever it's worth, he ran a ridiculous 40-yard dash at 4'5", But he is long, he's athletic, he has a very sturdy frame, and you're right, he played both inside and outside. Now, I think there's much to unleash and unlock with him as an edge pass rusher, but he didn't do enough of that in college where you can absolutely say based on tape, oh, that's what he is for sure. Now, I think the traits are there and that can be cultivated. But your point is correct, Bob. He played inside and outside and he can rush the quarterback from either spot. He may even be better doing it from the inside. There's a powerful feel to his game. He's got strong, heavy hands. He's got really good short area movement. Um, so he can be a multi-positional player, which, by the way, that's becoming even more important in today's NFL because how many teams, whatever term teams like to use when they go to their sub-defense on third down, cheetah front, NASCAR front, you've heard all these terms. They like to bring in very often four players who are essentially pass rushers regardless of position. So a lot of times you see a guy who's listed as a defensive end be a defensive tackle when it's third down because he can rush the quarterback. And Trayvon Walker absolutely fits into that mold. So he's a very intriguing player and arguably the most interesting of the three Georgia defensive linemen who are coming out. Well, you mentioned Wyatt. He's the third of this trio. What about him? Yeah, Wyatt's another guy that he, he was a guy I had to watch a lot. And I'm just being honest. There's every once in a while, there's a guy when I study tape that it just takes me a long time to get a real feel for a guy. And he was one of those guys that I just couldn't get a defined feel for his game. I would say that there's no jump off the film traits to him. Um, he's, he's not high level explosive. He's not exceedingly strong, although he shows flashes of both, but not enough where you say, Hey, that's his game. And he didn't show the kind of pass rush traits that you you tend to think about. Number one, he's not very long, so he doesn't have length to his body or his arms. He's not, he doesn't have elite interior burst and explosiveness, so you don't go, wow, look at that guy move. So I kept thinking, what is Devonta Wyatt in today's NFL? And ultimately, I came to the conclusion that he's probably a guy who you're going to start off playing in your base defense as an interior defensive tackle. Maybe he can become a three-down player. Um, when I finished watching him, I kind of thought, and this guy's really developed into a nice player, I thought of Javon Hargrave, who plays with the, the Eagles now, who began his career with the Steelers, um, who's actually reasonably athletic. You know, Wyatt's game was kind of built on flashes, and those flashes kept sort of percolating in my brain, Bob, making me think, okay, can this guy be more than what he shows on tape right now? And my answer would probably be yes, but I think he would start his career as a basically a base defense defensive tackle. 
How good is the Georgia defense? We've done an entire segment here, and we've not gotten off their defensive line. I mean, that's how good they were, right? But there are certainly other guys that are on the board of defensive tackle to talk about. We'll talk about some prospects outside of Athens. (laughs) We'll get to those guys when we come back. Are there more defensive guys that can be versatile enough on the defensive line to make themselves three-down players and be worthy of a high draft choice? Greg Cosell will tell you about a few of those guys next on Tapehead's Draft Season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. We are back on this first episode this week of Tapehead's Draft Season. Bob Shoes and Greg Cosell, the first of two episodes. Our next will drop on Thursday. And again, we are taking you right up until the NFL Draft, doing a deep dive, the nerd football, so to speak, and defensive line, defensive tackle, interior defensive line has been our topic today. All right, Greg, we hit the Georgia guys. Let's get to a few others. Um, I had DeMarvin Leal at Texas A&M a handful of times during his college career. I think he's a really interesting player. Like, he doesn't when when you look at kind of that prototypical frame of a big-time defensive player, he he doesn't necessarily, like, check every box when you just look at him getting off the bus. But, man, he is as athletic as they come and really flashed at times at, at Texas A&M. I don't, I don't know if he's a first-round draft choice, but you have to think he's not going to last long on day two. Do you agree? Yeah, he was another guy. I think you hit it right on the head, and and you, you kind of led me in perfectly because you can watch his tape, and I actually watched him last summer from 2020, and I obviously watched him this year from his 2021 tape. And he, at times, really gets you excited. He's got strong, active hands. He's got quick, athletic feet. He could control and displace offensive linemen in the running game. He could rush the quarterback both inside and off the edge with that desirable combination of quickness and power that you like to see. And he's 6'4", close to 290, so he kind of fits more as an interior player, which is why we're talking about him. His arm length is very good. I thought his 2021 tape, Bob, he did not play to those traits as consistently as he did in 2020, but the traits are there. And I think he's really more of an interior player. I don't think ultimately, even though I think he can at times play off the edge, I don't know if that's what he really is at the NFL level, if he can do that against quality NFL offensive tackles. So if he he can play to his traits, 
more consistently, then I think you have something. And I think that's why you said he's likely not a first-round pick, but he's certainly going to be a day-two player. How about Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma? Ah, that was a guy that he, that I really kind of liked the more I watched him. He's, he's an athletic kid. Um, and it's funny, Oklahoma has a specific kind of defense with their defensive coordinator. It's a, it's a movement-based defense. So there's a lot of slanting and there's a lot of stunting. And he predominantly lined up inside. So I kept watching him and think, God, this guy's almost lining up like he's a nose tackle. And then as the year progressed, he started to play a lot more what we call three technique, meaning he lined up outside the guard uh, and inside the offensive tackle. And that position is much more of a penetrating position. And he's a very athletic guy. Um, he's got quickness. He's got balance. He's got body control. Um, there were times he played with really strong hands. Uh, I, I think that he's just beginning to scratch the surface of what he is. And I think he can be that three technique, which, as I said, is viewed for the most part as a, a penetrating position with good athletic ability. But he still has the versatility to play multiple positions. I've heard from some people that he will absolutely be a top 50 pick. Now, you never know that. You know, that's the people that I've spoken to. But, hey, maybe if I spoke to others, they wouldn't say that. So you never know. Right. And, by the way, I've learned over the years that, you know, you, you got to take what guys tell you with a grain of salt, you know, at, at this time of year. So, But he was a force the last half of the season showing really high-level D-tackle traits with a really good – combination of power and quickness and and he really grew on me bob the more i watched him Fedarian mathis from alabama what do you think about him yeah he's he's the, the next in that group of of alabama um defense interior defensive linemen um he really is one of those steady execution guys you know alabama is obviously very much a a um uh, do your job kind of defense in the interior. Um, that's the way they play. Um, he lined up in multiple positions, which of course is a Nick Saban uh, philosophy that he has multiple fronts. And that always makes a player a valuable asset as he gets to the NFL, the ability in the, because the league has now become much more of a multiple front league. So players who are front and scheme versatile have more value than ever before. And he's got size. He's got length, really long arms, a really long wingspan. I think he can two-gap, meaning that he can play head up on an offensive lineman and then basically play peekaboo and find the ball in the run game. I think he can be a one-gap player as well, where he can be a penetrator and shoot in a gap. And I thought he flashed just enough pass rush traits uh, including being very effective in stunt concepts to make you believe that with more coaching and development, Bob, that he could develop into a sub front inside pass rusher. So Fedarian Mathis was a player whose tape I really liked. Yeah, you mentioned the SEC. I'm noticing a pattern here, right? Let's go to the next guy, Tennessee, Matthew Butler. I, I think everybody in this, we got one guy from Oklahoma of these top prospects you wanted to talk about and seven from the SEC. It tells you uh, – the level of defense they are still playing in that league athletically and prospect-wise just different than the rest of college football. What about Butler? Butler was a guy I knew nothing about when I put the tape on because he played five years at Tennessee. He took advantage of the COVID season, and he was only a two-year starter in those five years. He was a four-star recruit, but I just didn't know much about him at all. And I don't know if you got to do any Tennessee games, but this guy 
Now, this guy's a power player. Um, now, he, he plays with great energy, great competitiveness, and he can redirect, change direction, and run players down. But in the interior, he was a power player. And I spoke about the difference between power and strength. Butler has both. Butler was very strong in, the, in that he could control a specific small area, but he also had the power to move people. And that showed up in every game in the SEC. He would displace offensive linemen. He moved them. And we're talking about SEC offensive linemen. So he made dominant plays versus the run. He could stalemate double teams. He could defeat double teams. And that's a really important trait in the NFL. Um, if you're talking about the run game, and, and people do run the ball, obviously, but he could stalemate double teams. Another guy with pretty long arms, good body length, 6'4". Um, you know, I watched his tape, and, and I thought that he was one of the best interior D-line prospects in this draft, not being talked about enough, in my opinion, at all. How about Neil Farrell from LSU? Yeah, another guy that I really like. See, it's funny. These are two guys, and I'm glad you mentioned him. These are two guys that are not being talked about. And I think Farrell was another guy that could end up being a good pass rusher with time. Um, he he could work effectively both as a one-gap and a two-gap D-tackle. He showed quickness off the snap. I watched a lot of LSU tape. Obviously, I end up seeing a lot of SEC tape just because you're always seeing really good players and so many transition to the league. Um I think he's got a traits profile that'll be in demand. Um, he has size. He's 6'4". He's got length. He's got play strength. He's got heavy hands. He's got what we call plus movement. Um, I think he showed enough that you could say down the road he'll be a pass rusher from the inside. Think of it this way. Think of someone like Greg Gaines for the Rams. I don't know if you remember him coming out of the University of Washington. Now, he's a smaller man in terms of height, but when he came out of of UW. Everybody pretty much said, oh, really just a tough run defender. You're not going to see him play in passing situations. And by the end of this season with the Rams, he didn't come off the field. He was playing 70 snaps a game. So I think some of these guys, and that's why this discussion is so fascinating as to what they can become, because you have to think about that. So many of these guys, I think, can become interior pass rushers that do play in sub fronts. But of course, it also depends who else you have in your sub front. Greg sure. Gaines was playing with Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald, which obviously helps him. Um, not everybody is going to be playing with that. In fact, nobody will be playing with that. Right. All right. So we ran through a bunch of guys before we wrap this episode up. Again, circle back kind of wide angle lens. You looked at this class. You've looked at the top prospects, but also flashing back to the conversation we had to start, how important this position is. How good is this group? Like if you're an NFL fan, your team needs an interior defensive lineman. There are obviously some prospects here. How early do you expect some of these guys to start coming off the board? My guess is they will go early for this reason. It's You still have to put a board together and you still have to rank players and you've got to draft players based on your ranking. But I think the, the most fascinating question, which we did discuss, is the larger macro view of the value of interior players who you don't believe can necessarily play in your sub-defense. That's ultimately the larger question. Uh, but I think in terms of where guys come off the board, we know Davis will come off the board relatively early. My guess is Devontae Wyatt probably will as well. Um, but 
I just I keep coming back to that same question. You know, you know, we're in a league now. We're in a passing league. Offensively, we're in an eleven personnel league with with one back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. Now, obviously, teams run the ball out of that, no question. Um, and they do that on first and ten, and they do it on second and three. Um, right. So, I'm just really fascinated, Bob, as we kind of put a bow on this to see how they're used, not where they're drafted. Once guys get drafted. It almost seems with the exception of quarterbacks, everybody forgets where they get drafted because now they're in the NFL. You know, no one really says about a D tackle, oh, he was drafted 14th and he's 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 a bot. No one really says that. They only say that about quarterbacks. So uh, it doesn't matter where they're drafted. I'm more curious as to their deployment in the NFL. Yeah, and, and it is probably a position that has been affected by the evolution of football as much as any Yes, because of the guys they used to have to tackle just don't play the way that they – played back when, you know, an interior defensive lineman controlling the line of scrimmage could be the difference between your team going to the Super Bowl or not. It's just, it's, it's, football's different. And we've yep. been talking a lot about how football being different has affected the NFL draft and how teams put together their boards. And hey, look, you can hit us up on social media. Keep your player suggestions coming. We're another episode closer to the NFL draft at this point. And coming up on Thursday, we will be talking even more about SEC players where they might fit the NFL, where they might go. There are obviously many of them that are going to go in the first round. Hopefully you will join us again for another edition of Tapehead's Draft Season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.